This week, I have had several opportunities already just by uh, being here in Chabana uh, to um, meet several new people. And, and to back that up a little bit, last Sunday, a week ago today, my family and I went and saw a movie, and, and I'm sure some of you have seen this movie as well, uh, called The War Room. Uh, we went to uh, Joliet to go see it. Uh, at that point, only 1,100 different theaters around the nation had it. But we went and saw that movie, and we were blessed. We were blessed because we were encouraged, again, to get on our knees and pray and, and ask God uh, to make the difference. And, and that's what I would encourage you to do. I would ask that you get on your knees and that you ask uh, for opportunities for me. And likewise, opportunities for yourself uh, to go out into these communities, our surrounding communities, and, and share God's love, share the good news. And in fact, this coming Friday, this coming Friday, and I know it might, may not work for most of you, uh, depending on your schedules, but this coming Friday, uh, I'm going to be in the sanctuary here at, at 10 in the morning. And, and I would invite you uh, to join me. There's going to be no food. There's going to be no drinks, no coffee. But we are going to pray for our Indian Creek community. So if you'd like to join me, if you'd like to bring somebody with you, uh, 10 o'clock this Friday, uh, we're going to be bowing our knees, uh, asking God to help us. Well, today we're starting a new sermon series. It's a three-week sermon series, and, and our goal and our hope is that we will package uh, this CD uh, and the, the three messages together, and that you could share it with your family and friends. Uh, many months ago, one of the first opportunities that I had uh, as being part of uh, Village Bible as a, as a staff member, uh, when I was at the part-time status, I, I went to a retreat, and I showed up after school, after teaching PE, and I zipped up there, and I believe that was in Wheaton, isn't that right, Dave? And, and Dave and, and the rest of the uh, pastors were there and other staff members, and uh, they were digging into God's word. And, and they were trying to figure out what, what is the purpose of Village Bible Church? What is the true purpose? And as they examined it, they thought, okay, well, to help people that are in need, okay, that, that fits. That's definitely a a, a, a position that we have, our desire is to help our neighbors and to care for them and help people that are in need. How, how about a social, uh, a place where the community come and socialize? Well, we'd encourage that too. We, we, we love when people come here and, and gather together and socialize, but that, that wasn't getting to the, to the crux of what our purpose was. And so as, as the group, as, as we dug into... To scripture and as we sought God through prayer and we had many discussions and then we we spent many months revisiting it and looking at it again I, I think we developed that what our primary purpose was is disciple making is disciple making you see Jesus said come follow me and I will make you fishers of men come represents discover we need to help people discover who jesus is and we need to invite them to go to him follow me 
That means uh, we need to develop. We need to help new believers uh, grow and, and, and get involved uh, with um, their faith. And finally, uh, fi finally, fishers of men, and that re represents deploy. Well, we need to help new believers uh, mature in their faith and then go out and train and teach all about who Jesus is through the church and as individuals, and, and thus repeating the entire process. That's called disciple-making. And each week when Pastor Dave or, or I or whoever comes up here and, and gets to bring forth uh, the message, our goal is to teach about Jesus and, and to, to help you and to equip you to go out into the community and teach the good news. And today I'm going to be sharing about discovering disciples. About discovering disciples. And as you'll see in all three of these messages, we're going to utilize examples of Jesus, of what he did, and, and then we're going to try to articulate that. We define a disciple as one who diligently learns, a passionately, passionately loves and purposely lives according to the pattern of their Lord, Savior Jesus Christ. Diligently learns, passionately loves, and purposely lives. That's what a disciple is. That's what I hope you are. Today, we're going to learn from the example of Jesus. Uh, and we're going to dig in uh, to the book of Matthew, the 11th chapter. And we're going to read several verses from there. We're going to start with verse 25. So if you're able and capable, I'd ask that you join me in standing uh, as I read God's word uh, from Matthew 11, starting with verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, may you be the focus. Uh, may you help uh, create in us uh, the desire to be disciple makers, uh, to come uh, and follow you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, invitations come in all forms, all sizes and shapes and uh, designs these days especially. If you're it, 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 one invitation could be like what Sherry and I sent out. Uh, we, we invited uh, 450 of our closest friends to our wedding, and, and we sent out these invites. And then inside the invite, we tucked in another uh, RSVP letter that was already uh, stamped, ready for them to send back. That's one type of invite. When we had our movie nights here, we sent out a mass mailer to 1,700 homes uh, in Lee and Shabana and Waterman, and we invited them 
uh, to come to our event uh, of watching a movie or getting uh, the, the balloon creations and, and bouncing on the houses. You could invite somebody via the phone. You can call them up and invite them to come on over one-on-one. -on -one. You can text an individual or a large group of people. You can make a website or a Facebook page and, and create an event, an event and, and ask everybody to come to uh, your special occasion. Well, within this invitation, though, there, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. I know when we created the, the one for the movie night, we really were focused on what was the message we were giving out. Did we forget something? Did we uh, explain all the details? We think about the design and the audience, the cost, and, and how, do we, how do we foster a response? How do we foster that response? The invitations are important, and they need to be thought through. Well, in this morning's text, we see that our Lord Jesus Christ gives the greatest invitation ever. The greatest invitation that we could ever have. Let's examine a little further. First thing we need to do is find out who, who is the invitation for. Who is this invitation for? I, well, I see in the scripture that it's for two groups, two groups of people. First, this invite is for people who are laboring. People who are laboring. You know, there's always people who are trying to gain approval uh, from God by, by working hard, by, by giving forth tons of effort to try to gain God's approval. A good example, I had a couple gentlemen come to my house a few weeks ago. And, and, and they sat there for about three hours. I think I might have told the story already, and I think they finally got tired of talking to me. And, and we were digging into God's word, but they, their salvation was based on good works, uh, on making sure that they were baptized and that they did good deeds and that they served in a missionary and, and that they were following the teachings of their book. Their labor all these days, uh, though as, as noble as it is, was in vain and is in vain because it's not focused on Jesus Christ alone. That they, if they would just realize that they've been invited to come to Jesus. This verse also says uh, that the invite is for people who are heavy laden. Heavy laden. We don't use that word too often. This is for people that are consumed with guilt. That I'm not good enough. That, that I'm not worthy uh, to be with God. And, and they just work at it all the time. How many times have you heard someone say that? I know I've heard numerous times. Oh, if you just knew my story, Phil, it, it, I, I, can't, I, I can't talk to the Lord. W would you talk to him for me? Because they're so burdened by, by the guilt that they uh, have and that they have had for years. Scripture teaches of a story of a, a, a young man who comes to Jesus and he says, man, I have done so good my whole life, ever since I was a little kid. I, I've been able to keep all the commandments. I, I've done so good. But how, Jesus? How do I get eternal life? And Jesus looks at him. Remember that story? And he says, well, if you want to be perfect, 
I'm paraphrasing. You want to be perfect, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then come and follow me. Remember what the man did, what his response was? He walked away sorrowful. He, he, was, he, he thought he could check this off his list because he would do good works. And, and, and the guilt that came on him and said, I can't, I can't do that. I'm extremely wealthy. Well, this is, this is all of us. I, I think at, at some point in our life that we all struggle with this, that, that we try to please God in our own way, that we work extremely hard to try to please him. And, and when, when we don't do the right thing, man, our, our guilt is there. Like, why did I do that again? Why did I tell that lie? Why did I do whatever it is? You're just, guilt is coming on you. Well, this is, the beauty of this is, is that Jesus is showing us compassion. He's very compassionate with us. And I think that's what we need to do with our neighbors as, as disciple makers, is we need to love our neighbors. We need to love them. And, and that's how you start building relationships with those around you. You love them. And you care about them. You want to take burdens off of them. When they're in need, you help. If there's a special opportunity, you go to them. You, you, you create a friendship and you allow yourself to be vulnerable uh, because you're coming to them. And when we start developing, uh, in the process of starting to develop disciples, that's where it starts. Just love. Loving them. Second, we need to look at, uh, at this invitation. We need to see what are we invited to? What are we invited to? What is this invitation it actually inviting us to do? Well, first and foremost, it's inviting each person to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Notice that Jesus isn't inviting people to a religion. He's not inviting you uh, to follow a set of rules uh, in order to uh, come to him. He's just inviting you, frankly, just to come to him. It, it might help to understand a little bit of the context. Jesus just got done in this, in this section of scripture rebuking the Jewish people for rejecting him. You see, the Pharisees and the other religious leaders, they didn't want him around. They, they were not happy with the way he was telling people to live because they wanted to uh, rejoice in their own righteousness. They wanted to rejoice in that. And, and in fact, they held an attitude, such an attitude in their heart towards Jesus, all the way to the point when he was being crucified. What were they doing? They were mocking him. They were mocking him. Well, Jesus clearly says in, in verse 28, come to me. Come to me. It's, a, it's an invitation that's welcoming each, each person to welcome his promise. Some, as I read some commentaries, they were saying it's actually a command. They see it as a command to come to me. Well, in these verses, we also see that each person is invited to take up Jesus' yoke to take up Jesus' yoke. 
Scripture uses the yoke in a couple different ways. Galatians 5.1 talks about uh, it being a heavy burden. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Again, in Acts 15, he talks about it being a, a heavy burden. And, and, and uh, in fact, in Acts 15, it's referring to the Pharisees wanted the disciples to literally live perfect lives and, and follow all of the rules that the Pharisees had set out. And, and, and Jesus said, or they, they were saying, that's unfair. They, they can't handle that heavy burden. And you know what? They're not supposed to. They can't follow every, every rule. It also says that a yoke is being put under submission. Put under submission. 1 Timothy 6.1 says, Let all who are under a yoke of, as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so the name of God and teaching may be reviled. See, each person has a yoke that's around their head. And, and every person in this room right now has, has something over their head that's guiding them. And, and that's showing them where they need to go. And what Jesus is, is saying here, if you accept the invite, you literally get to take off that old yoke and put on a new one. Put on Jesus' yoke, the one he made. Last thing is, we're invited to learn from Jesus. We're invited to learn from Jesus. We're invited to be his student, to be his disciple. We're invited to learn from his words, not only from his words, but also learn about him. You see, Jesus is not only the teacher, but Jesus is the subject of the teaching. That's pretty cool. 1 John 2, 6 says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. We need to be imitating Christ. John 15, 4 says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. 1 Peter 2, 21 says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. In his steps. What a privilege it is for you, what a privilege it is for me, that we get to learn from Jesus. And that's what we get to do as disciples of his. We, we get to go out and, and teach our neighbors. We need to teach our neighbors and be intentional about that. We can teach them who Jesus is by the way we love them, uh, by the way uh, everyday conversations with them. Practically speaking, we can teach them through our kindness. As we're kind to others, they start questioning, why in the world is this guy so kind? And, and it gives us opportunities uh, to teach and to share. And, and we need to teach about Jesus' love intentionally. And, and, and really, we need to allow ourselves, again, I, I use the word vulnerable, because we need to share with others that we're broken too, that we're all broken and because you've loved them, and because you're ready to teach and train your neighbors, they can accept your words. And they, can, they can care. They, they know that you care. What, what's the old saying? No one, 
cares how much you know until they know how much you care. We need to love our neighbors, and, and then we could teach them. Lastly, what happens if we accept? What happens if you accept the invite? We saw what happens, or what the invite, who the invite was for. Uh, we, we saw what the invite was all about. What happens if you accept it? First, you're going to receive a gentle master. You're going to receive a gentle master. Matthew 18, it says it perfectly. It says, at that time the disciples came to Jesus, verses 1 through 5, saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Likewise, in Matthew 19 it says, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for such belongs to the kingdom of heaven. Our, our, this Lord of Lords it, it is absolutely fully in charge of everything, and yet he will have a child on his knee. He's a gentle master, and when you accept his invite, that's what you gain. And that's amazing to think about. Matthew 23, it, it, it talks about the contrast of this gentle master versus the Pharisees. And it says, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their fingers. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And yet... He is gentle. And that's what, that's what you gain when you accept the invite. Have you ever had a boss that wasn't gentle? That, that was downright ornery? I had, I had one. And, and this boss, on Mondays, if it was Monday, you did not approach this boss. You didn't approach this person uh, for something good or something bad because this person literally would go off on you. That's, that's not who Jesus is. Jesus is gentle, loving, righteous. He is the king of kings. To have a king that sits on a throne and yet welcomes him, us, you, me, our neighbors, to walk up to him? That's amazing. In fact, if you accept his invitation, you will receive rest. You will receive rest. When I start preparing for a message, I'm sure Dave's rather similar in this preparation, we start reading the scripture that we're going to be teaching. And, and we dig into that scripture as, as much as we can, just sitting on the table, and we look at all the things before it and all the things after, make sure we understand 
the contacts, and, and I just start making notes. And I circle a word, I may highlight it, I may underline it, and I, I'm starting to I make arrows all over the place, and it gets all messy. And, and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find a pattern, and, and I'm trying to understand what is the message here. Well, as I was digging into this particular, uh, uh, these particular verses, I saw rest was in there twice. He talks about rest two different times. In verse 28 and in verse 29. Verse 28, we see that as soon as you come to Jesus, as soon as you accept the invite from Jesus, he gives you rest. He gives you rest because he has pardoned you. He gives you rest because you are now uh, under his love. He, he gives you rest because you've been accepted and welcomed by the Lord of Lords. Verse 29, it's like another level of rest. As you abide in Jesus Christ, as you learn, as you dig into God's word, you're, you're going to gain a rest for the soul. A rest for the soul. You see, Jesus wants us to fully surrender to him. And when we do, we get this opportunity uh, to learn from Jesus, to learn from him and about him, and, and then we start getting joyful in what we're doing and what we're reading and, and who we are identified with. And that's when you get rest for the soul. Because you're, you're excited about every single day. Because you're serving the king of kings. Finally, we'll get a well-fitted yoke. A well-fitted yoke. Verse 30 says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, let me explain a little bit further spoke of yoke earlier. Some of you may not understand that concept, um, but a yoke was used uh, for oxen or other beasts in order to guide them uh, into wherever you wanted them to go. And it was crucial that they fit very comfortably. Uh, sometimes you see a yoke, uh, you see uh, a young lady or a gentleman carrying a yoke uh, that's not all the way around their neck, but on the back of their neck as they're carrying pails of water from someplace, okay, so we see, we see yokes in different ways, but what happens is, uh, let's say it's with an ox, they bring the ox in, and they measure the ox, and, and they get all the calculations down, and then they draw a design, and okay, this is, this is what it's going to be, and, and then they start crafting it, and, and uh, breaking up the wood, and, and getting it nice and perfect, and, and then they they, they soften it up a little bit and, and make sure they sand it just enough. And, and then they put it back on the ox. And they see what, what the measurements are. Are they off by a little bit because they want it nice and, and, and comfortable? They want it nice and light. And, and, and they want it basically agreeable. And they'll com complete this process by doing it over and over. But when you accept Jesus' invitation... When you accept his invitation, the greatest carpenter ever makes you a yoke, and it's custom fit. Absolutely perfect. In all ways, he knows exactly who you are, 
and, and he created it perfectly for you. And you know what? It's light, too. He knows what you can handle, and, and, and he's not going to give us something that's too heavy. And these are the reasons why we need to invite our neighbors. These are the reasons we need to invite our neighbors. Not only invite them to church or invite them to an event or even invite them to our homes. No, these are the reasons why we need to share the invitation that Jesus has given. We need to pass on that invitation. That's the beauty of this invite is that we can pass it on to other people, as many as we would like. You ever been invited to a party and they say, hey, invite anyone with you? Well, that's what we get to do. So now we've got to look at it practically. What are you to do? What are you to do? I have six things listed here. First one is, is maybe the greatest. To acknowledge that God alone changes lives. God alone changes lives. The end of verse 27 in the scripture says, And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. That takes the burden off of us to acknowledge that it's only God who brings people to him. It's God. He uses his disciples to do this, but he reveals it. So the burden is off of us. Number two, we need to ask God for opportunities. Ask God for opportunities. Earlier, we were, we were talking about um, prayer, and we talked about, man, we got to be begging God to give us those opportunities. This week, I, I, I could think of three people, Max, uh, Janet, and Sharon, all people in this community, that, that I had an opportunity uh, to at least start a relationship and, and where I could build on those relationships. Ask for those opportunities. When you go uh, to the gas station, ask for those opportunities when you hit the post office. Ask God for the opportunities when uh, someone calls you. Ask God for opportunities when you go to your dad's house or, or when you visit your uncle or if you travel. Ask for opportunities on the plane. Maybe you want to sleep or do other work. But ask for those opportunities. Three, we need to be spiritually active in our communities. Spiritually active. Not just active. Not just uh, being a, a community-minded person. Because those are good things. But to be spiritually active. Uh, to be sharing God's word in intentional ways. And sharing God's love in intentional ways. I'm a school board member at, at Newark High School. How am I spiritually active there? Am I looking always at where the ethics of Scripture is teaching and, and implementing those details? Am I always trying to gain wisdom from God on how I'm serving the community? It's awesome to serve our communities. It's awesome to give back. But are you doing it with a focus of how do I please the king here? Fourth thing, 
this is a, this is a big one. Abandoned Christian isolation. Abandoned Christian isolation. This is something that we have been trying to teach and train our own children uh, all of our lives. How do we love people no matter what? No matter what their situation is, no matter who they are, how do we intentionally not only connect with people who share the exact same faith? We want to love others. And, and, and we don't want to, uh, as, as one has done, is sit on a pillar and isolate it away from everybody else so there would be no temptations and, and, and no distractions so we can serve God alone. That's not who God has called us to be according to Scripture. We are to engage and, and care about people and, and, and do this with great wisdom uh, through God's Word. Fifth, we need to look for avenues to share the gospel. Similar to looking for opportunities, but look for avenues where you actually get to share the gospel. What are those opportunities? What are the, the ways that people are, are talking with you? Are, are you over at the Village Cafe and someone is sharing something tough about their life? Do you have an opportunity to share God's love at that time? Do you have an opportunity to, to care about them and love them? In fact, before the service, uh, on my phone, Bill and I were talking, and then I started, my phone started exploding with, with communication from uh, my daughter Maddie. And I had told her, I, I said, Maddie, we're, we're almost out of data. Uh, we have a shared data package, and, and I got a, an alert that we were at 90% and still had five or six days to go. And, and so, Maddie, she, she stayed the night at a friend's house. They had their big volleyball party last night, uh, all at, at a girlfriend's house. And, and, and so I said, Maddie, turn your cellular data off. Only use Wi-Fi. If you need to communicate with us, turn it on and text us real quick if they don't have Wi-Fi. Well, they don't have Wi-Fi. They just moved into a new home. And so she texts me this morning as Bill and I are talking and says, Dad, can I use the data? A young man, uh, a friend of theirs at school, wants to know about God. Yeah, by all means. Doesn't matter the cost at that point. We want to we wanna look for an avenue to share the gospel. And so several times this morning, as Bill and I are talking, we're talking, I had to kind of interrupt our conversation and, and uh, respond to Maddie to help her along in sharing the gospel. And we, we need to look for those avenues, wherever they might be. And they show up at the craziest places. And I know Dave could speak that... They show up at jail all the time, at prison all the time. They, they show up uh, at the baseball game. They, they show up, like I said, at the gas station or at Village Cafe or at the grocery store. Uh, they show up when you help somebody change a tire. They show up at college. Uh, they show up uh, while you're playing a basketball game. They show up on the golf course. Look for those opportunities uh, and avenues that you could share the gospel. I was asked to, to share a message with a group of uh, drama people uh, at Spotlight in Aurora. I said, sure, just let me know when I can come there to serve. 
And I said, is it okay if I share the gospel with them? That By all means. People are open to let you share the message. My town, Newark High School, or Newark, the, the high school has not had a, uh, um, uh, what, what, is, what is that called at the end of the year, right before graduation? Baccalaureate. They, they haven't had a baccalaureate for five or six years, I, I just found out. Well, guess what? Guess what? I have an opportunity to help lead this year coming up. We look for those opportunities to share the gospel. And lastly, we need to be available. Be available to share the good news. It's one thing to look for those opportunities, right? To, to okay, God, give me the opportunities and, and let me share the good news. But it's another thing actually doing it and being available. Sometimes we think we don't have time. We don't have time to share God's word. You know, this country, and maybe there's others like it, we're busy, aren't we? We're, we're built on schedules and, and getting things done and, and making sure uh, that we're meeting the deadlines. And I'm often reminded as, as I go to another country, as I go to Ethiopia, that, man, we, we need to make time for people. We need to make time for our neighbors. We need to make time for mom or dad who are at, uh, living uh, on their own. We need to make time uh, for that, that lady down the street that you know no one visits, and she's really mean. But we need to, <laughs> I probably spoke to some of you there, but we need to make time for them. And when we do, we need to be ready to share the gospel. This church is about disciple-making. Our, our goal here is, is to make sure that each of you have the ability to share the gospel in a clear way. Because that's what it's all about. That's, that's, our, that's our whole privilege and opportunity on earth as believers is to share the love of Jesus Christ, to share this invitation. So I challenge you to dig into your own life and to, to say, God, am I ready? Am I really asking for opportunities to share your word? Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for this invitation that you've given us and that we get to pass along. We're thankful that we have the opportunity to love you. We're so thankful for your love for us. Would you bless these people here in this church? Would you bless us that we can truly be ready in season and out of season to share your word and to share your good, your good news? It's all about you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.